It's about culture, it's about leadership, and ultimately, it's about the customer experience. All right, welcome to the Field Famous Podcast, brought to you by Field Routes, a show that shines a light on the field service industry and the dedicated professionals that grind every day on their journey to success. I am your host, Dr. Christopher Fasano. Before we begin, I just want to remind you, the best way to receive new episodes of the Field Famous Podcast is to subscribe on your favorite pod player, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, you can find the Field Famous Podcast. If you prefer to watch this podcast in video format, you can do so at YouTube. Go to BeFieldFamous.com. You'll see the YouTube link. You can subscribe right there. Last but not least, please leave a five-star rating for the show if you're really enjoying it. That way it will move up in the rankings and other people will find it and learn just as much as you are learning from this show. Our guest for today's show is Brad Pitts, consumer services consultant. Really excited to have him. He has a wealth of knowledge and experience in the industry, and I'm really excited to have him on the Field Famous podcast. Brad, are you ready to be field famous? Ready to go. All right, so let's Thanks. go. So we're all technically ready to go. We fixed the lighting. We fixed the sound. Uh, I was giving him a little story about how we had a lightning storm on our one of our last episodes, and the thing went out, so we're, I think uh, we're ready and all prepared. Um, before I get into these questions, I have to ask you this. Brad Pitts, do you get that with your yep. name a lot? Are people like, oh, man, is it like is it cliched after a yeah. while or no? Man, I, I hear that so much, especially <laughs> checking in, checking in hotels, you know, walk up to the front desk and they'll look at each other like, whoops, that's not who we thought it was. <laughs> We're like, man, like everyone's disappointed yeah. to see me. All. I don't understand why. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Come on, really? All right. Yeah. I had to get it out of the way. All right. Yeah, um, that's great. So I know you were recently telling me that, uh, you know, independent, you got a new uh, gig on where you're at, but you've, you've had a, right. a, a, like a, a, a long career in the industry and you've gotten into it. I've always, I've always found it fascinating with how people get into it. So tell us, first start now, what, what you're doing right now, right. and then let's go back in time in the time machine and you tell us how you got into the industry. Sure, Chris. Uh, right now, like, like you just mentioned, it's independent, independent business consultant, consumer services, been in the pastoral industry all my life, just about. But right now I'm looking at, I'm uh, consulting for either PE groups, uh, private groups, private companies, mm. whatever it is that that's what I'm doing now. And you for Pest, mm. like you said, you spent your a good chunk of your career there. How yeah. did you come to the world of Pest? Well, it was interesting. It wasn't like I was looking for it. It found me. I was a young kid, man. I was like 20 years old and got laid off from an oil field company with about 350 people and answered an ad in the paper for a commercial pest control technician. And that was and it. Got into it. So you that just you didn't know you didn't. Control. It wasn't in your family. You didn't have anyone that you knew in it. You just saw you needed a job. You said this, I can do this. Yeah. So you get in your you were out it. in the field tech. Like what? Where did you start with it? I started as a technician that handled the Dallas downtown Dallas area. Okay. So my route was downtown Dallas. So uh, serviced and then was responsible to sell to. I was on my route. Okay. Dallas Pest and Termite Service. Okay. Originally in Dallas. Okay. And tell me about that, your progression in the career. Were you like, I, I like this. This is a cool industry. Or you, you just like, tell me a little bit of how you eventually kind of moved up there. Yeah. You know, when I got into it, I was married. We had our first child and I got laid off. So I'm just looking for a job. Right. So I answered an ad, got into it. But once I got into it, I really enjoyed what I was doing. I loved it. The, uh, the, aunt, the business owner that I worked with, a guy named Bert Smith that came down from the Midwest and started this company, just a great man, great leader, got into it, really loved the industry and would never have expected to be killing bugs my whole life. But it's not, it's not about that. 
It's so, not about killing bugs. It's not about killing bugs. And the longer I've been yeah. around this, I've learned that. It's not about it's not just about yeah. killing bugs. Um, tell me a little about the career progression. You started as a tech. Tell me how you, you know, your roles that you got into management. Like tell me a little bit about each step and uh maybe things you've learned when you got out of the field, if you will, sure. or you did something, some challenges. Because I imagine you know a lot of people listening, they're technicians, maybe like yourself back in the back when you were twenties and they're thinking the same thing. Right. You've had this long career, you've gotten up to high at the highest levels, really. Tell them a little about those progressions and what you saw in those opportunities. Great. Uh, you know, when I when I worked at Dallas Pest as a technician, I did several different roles there, sales manager, service manager, different things. And then the the VP, the well, general manager, Rick Rogers, back in the day, he left and went to a company called Home Team Pest Defense. Syntex Corporation was starting up Home Team Pest Defense. Rick Rogers called me over there. So about three months after he was there, he recruited me to go over there, sent me out to Central Florida and opened up a branch in Central Florida. Okay. Had three small acquisitions, grew it that way. And one of the things, the first things I learned in the industry was really about the people with the two, the two leaders I worked with. They were all about their their team. It was a team environment, yep. family environment. Yep. And that's how I got into it. So that just became ingrained in my my personality, my leadership style right from the start was all about the people, about growing people and seeing our team succeed. Mm -hmm. So I went out to Florida. It was three little companies put together. We grew it to about, I don't know, 4.2, 4.3 million. And then they asked me to come back and run a region from Texas to California, ran that region with Home Team Pest Defense. And they ran that for about 11 years. And that was that was a lot of fun. I still have a lot of friends at Home Team Pest Defense. This was prior to Rollins purchasing Home Team. Yep. Got a lot of friends still there that I speak with, talk with, a uh, good network of people. And when I was there, we had um, we had turned down an offer. We knew we were for sale, and or Syntex did. And so Rollins reached out to me. Rollins with Orkin reached out. I thought, man, that's a great opportunity go over there and be part of a division, the South Central Division, and help grow that and jumped on board. I was really fortunate in my career all the way through in this this third step with Rollins. I worked for a really good leader there also, a guy named Harry Sargent, who's just a tremendous leader, tremendous man. Learned a lot from him in the 10 years I was there. My career is probably different than some. Maybe some people can maybe relate to it, but I've I worked hard my whole life in my career, and I've always tried to put people first and tried to. There's two things I learned that really instilled was instilled with in me. It was do the right thing, treat people the right way. Those two things, mm -hmm. and that's what I really started start right from the start from mm -hmm. the people I worked under mm -hmm. and learned under. And when I went to Rollins, I was um, I was doing well. My my goal, my trajectory was to take the South Central Division, continue to run that, continue just retire it at Rollins, continue to grow with them. And my dad developed Alzheimer's disease mm. and he had it for about 10 years. And right before I was going to take the next step at Rollins, uh, I would have had to move to Atlanta. Mm. He became really sick with Alzheimer's. I had to turn it down. Mm. So I had to turn down that role and my career took a turn at that point. I stayed with them. They would have kept me there. Just great people there leading the company at that time and still is. Uh, but, you know, I could have stayed there. And then I had the former CEO of Home Team contact me and asked me to come to over to environmental pest and help them run one of their brands out in Florida and just commute out there. He knew about my dad. So I did that for about 15, 16 months, ran the Florida arrow environmental brand mm -hmm. and then the state pest control brand in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And that was totally different experience. Yeah. That was, we did probably 60, 70 acquisitions. Jeez. It just, it was totally different, man. Wow. And Rollins and home team, 
But, you know, my, my career has been so diverse. I've learned a lot from different people, but also different situations. But one thing has been true and one thing has been consistent is it's all about, like I said, how you treat your people and how you, how you build that team. Yep. And we did the same thing at Arrow and State. Yep. So I stayed there about 15, 16 months. My dad's health really took a nosedive and knew we were going to have to get him 24-hour care. So I had to stop commuting. I was commuting Monday through Friday every day. Uh, from Dallas out to to Florida, so wow. Florida, and so what was it was, that, what's it, that ride, was, Brad? What is that? You flew out? What did you wrote? You flew? I, yeah, I flew out. Flew out on on Mondays. Came back on Fridays usually. Okay. All right. Uh, there were several times I had to stay two weeks at a time at the beginning because okay. we had so much to do. But yeah. yeah, it was flying in, flying out. So yeah. I was home on Friday evenings and the weekend. Fly back on Monday. Okay. All right. And after about fifteen months is when my dad's health took a nosedive, and we knew we were going to have to get him twenty four hour care. So I had to step back from that role. And that was, uh, they were owned by an equity company. So I had to walk away from that. But, you know, in, in my life, I learned it from my dad. And then my dad was the one that was going through the health problems. It's just families first. Yep. And so I made that decision. I stepped back. Uh, you know, things worked out really well, though. You know, even though sometimes things are difficult in your life. Right. And at the moment you you're like, this is not like, you know, but then exactly, you go through right. it and you look back and you're like, man, it really worked out in the right way. Right. That's right. Yeah, it's, man. It's, you're exactly right, Chris. It's like, that's not my plan. Then you figure out later. Correct. No, that was the plan. Correct. That was like, the plan. Yeah. And you know what, Brad? <laughs> I have a, a, an 11 year old son. And, um, you know, these kids nowadays with all this access to stuff, they think that that yeah. like they can plan everything out, like everything is known, everything is available. And so life right. is life is going to happen. I'm going to get to this house. There's going to be this many people here. This is what and I say to him, I said, you need to understand something that's like guaranteed life will never happen the way you think it will. So you have to be exactly. able to adapt and or be OK with the present moment, even if it's not what you thought it was. Right. Because. Right. Most of the time, it, it's all great if you have a linear trajectory in life. That doesn't happen right, most right. of the time. And so it's your ability yeah. to adjust. It's your ability to react. It's your ability to keep going um, that I think really, really makes makes all the difference. And, and to that, I wanted to ask yeah. you about um, yeah. leadership. I've heard you use that word a couple times um, in, my, in my reading and just trying to understand you and, and looking back on some of the stuff. Um, you've emphasized importance of building a strong culture, developing leaders. Right. Um, I'm wondering if you could elaborate on your leadership philosophy a little bit, like, you know, how you've in the situations you've been, how you've fostered sort of collaborative uh, growth oriented environment in companies where if you're growing there, there's a lot of positions, there's a lot of things happening. Right. But you want people to be cohesive and you want to develop leaders. I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about your philosophy and instilling that into the team. Sure. You know, when some people think of leadership, they think of oh, that's that's the manager, that's the boss. Uh, but, yeah, I really viewed it. And I've, I've learned that from people in the industry, some few men, that it's about that example you set and about creating, like you said, that collaborative environment. And that's what I feel like has helped me be successful in my career is being able to do that, focus on that. When you I give you one example that kind of it, it really it, I guess it, it magnifies what I'm talking about. And I won't mention the name, but. When I was at Rollins, I hired a guy and he was working for me to, to run a big department, came in and he was he had just left a company where he worked for a guy that he could not bring up any ideas with. He could not. He didn't feel comfortable bringing up any ideas. If they were, they were shot down. I worked for nine, 90 days, about three months and kept telling him, man, I want those ideas. You know, I was I was the leader there. Harry Sargent and I were the leaders in that division. But 
I wanted that feedback. I always want the feedback from the people that I work with. And it took me a long time, man, yeah. getting where he opened up. But once he did, <laughs> there were some things that he brought up that we were working for me that we changed in the division, across yeah. the division. See that? I he love had some that. great ideas, man. And that's where I saw that really that example of if you can create that collaborative environment and that openness for people to be willing to share there's some smart people working for smart you. Smart people. Really and the people, people that are out there busting their butts every day out right. there and they're seeing it. They're on, they're hitting the ground. And it's like, it's such, such an important thing, you know, in the world we live in today, people are timid. They don't, they don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want to say the, you know, they don't, I'm afraid that, but like, if you don't foster an environment where someone can bring something, what are you learning? How, how do you right. continue to learn if you don't allow other people to offer their ideas? Like, that's the way I would continue to learn. Like, wow, I didn't even think about that, right? So it's so important. Yep. to. But people have to feel comfortable enough in an environment that they can do that, right? right? And maybe I was fortunate because I, I grew up in the industry that way as a technician. I felt real comfortable to go to Rick Rogers, to go to anybody that, that was there and be able to speak an idea, talk about an idea. I felt like I had a lot of uh, ownership in that the customer base that I had, that I serviced. And that, yep. I guess I didn't know any better because yep. that's how I grew up in the right, industry. Right, right. Well, but you at so least- I tried to do the same you, thing. You incorporated and then when you got into a position, you've, you propagated right. it and you passed it on. Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's, it's so super important. I always say like, let's, let's if you're, what it, what was it? If you're, uh, if you have a whole bunch of smart people in the room, and that's all that happens, then you just have a bunch of smart people in the room, right? Why right. have these people right. in the room if you're not going to allow them to offer, right? Because that's where you're really going to get it. Right. Who knows? Someone can really change the trajectory of a business with one idea that they've been sitting on if you've never let that come out. So that's exactly um, right. The, uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about, you'd be a particularly uh, uh, sort of, uh, this would be for you. I think you could give a good answer to this. Um, rapid growth. Right. When you're in a situation right. where you're you're scaling, you're growing a business, um, especially in one like this and pest and home, it's probably right. a lot. Customer service is a big deal. And there's a balance. I mean, there you must there's a balance when you're rapidly growing to make sure that you can appropriately uh, still maintain a level of quality in your customer service. I'm wondering. Uh, and I haven't really asked this question to someone on the show yet, but what strategies have you sort of found effective in sort of uh, striking that balance, making sure you maintain yeah. a good customer service feel, but rapidly growing to the point where you're bringing business in? Because I got to imagine it can topple right. if it's not done correctly. No, you're exactly right. You know, that's with home team. We went from 13 million to 135 million in the 10 years, <laughs> 10, 11 years. Uh, worked at Fox. You know, yep. Fox Pest Control went from we were about 41 million, I think, when I was there. And they just recently hit 122 million, you know, within a few years, three years. So I've seen I've been part of some rapid growth. And you're exactly right. If you just focus on the growth and that's all you focus on, your customer experience is going to suffer. Yep. And you're, you're going to grow the revenue, but you're not going to have anything to show for it. And really what we did at, at Fox, at Home Team, some of these other companies had rapid growth and good quality customer experience is you don't create any kind of, well, let me back up. Right now, especially with technology, there's so many shiny tools out there, mm -hmm. shiny toys that we want to grab and use and put in our mm -hmm. business. But what I've always said, and the people that know me in the industry will, will shake their heads. So yeah, I've heard him say that, is if, if that tool isn't going to help you with your customer experience and your employee experience, don't do it. It, do, it won't help a bit. Any, any kind of technology, any kind of new initiative you take, You've got to run it through a filter that is it going to improve our customer experience. We can grow. We can grow really fast. Yep. 
you just turn on the engine. Yeah. You get some growth engines going. Yeah. But if you can't keep your customer, it's not worth doing. But you run it through the filter. Any new initiative of customer experience, does it improve it? Yep. Employee experience, does it make your employees, their experience better, more efficient? Yep. Then do it. If it doesn't do those two things, then don't do it. Yeah. Focus on something that's going to help you improve your customer experience. And that's going to help you grow also. And in your, cus- so in your, part of it. In your customer experience, sorry, Brad, in your customer experience, like in other words, like, is it a balance of technology that helps make you more efficient? Obviously finding the right people right. that can speak like it's a balance of everything, right? You're not shy of any, any a tool. What you're saying is make sure that tool right. has the purpose really primarily of making the customer experience better. That and the employee experience. You're absolutely right. Okay. We, I've been part of some really good technology in the last five, six years in the industry, and it has helped the customer experience. Some good communication tools, digital, you know, multimedia tools mm. that help that customer experience. Because a lot of our customers are home. We do our service. They're not home. So there's, I don't know, there's probably a little more than 50% now after COVID. Prior to COVID, it was less than 50%. Yep. But there's still about half our base isn't home. So if you don't, if you're not able to show them, and that's where technology right. is a big benefit, right. what we're doing and the value of that service we provide, then you're going to lose them. So technology is a great tool. It's just don't do something that looks cool and, you know, it's the next trend if it's not going to help you. Mm-hmm. It's not going to help you with your customer experience and your employee mm-hmm. experience. Yeah, I wanted to talk. It's good, good, good. The, the, the topics here, the transitions are good because I wanted to ask you about customer loyalty because in the end, that's what you're looking for. You want to be the that's place right. that calls you back or the place that stays with you recurring for a while, for a long period of time. And I know, in the especially in the world of pest and home service, that's become the game, trying to get recurring yeah. revenue, people in, you flatten out your seasonality curves, you get everybody in. I think one of the challenges, and I faced this, I talked about this on the show, I faced this when I used to market for the, the companies themselves, the pest control companies, the home service companies, is you're trying to... You're, you you need to convince the homeowner or the or if this is commercial it might be a little different story but let's call it for this example residential you need to convince them they need to continue your service and paying you even when the problem is now gone that's so, exactly you know right, yeah. you fix controlled. you control there and that's the key right so it's like pest control well why should i keep you paying you because you fixed the problem so i'm i'm curious if you could give a little bit of your experience on how you communicate that and how you ex- how you talk about the value of the control element to the service definitely that's so important man i think that proactive communication to the customer on an ongoing basis is important whether it's pest alerts whether it's just uh thank yous whether it's some type of promotion but the feedback you can get from the customer, that's the other side that is so valuable. A lot of companies totally miss it. They don't focus on it. But if you can get some type of tool like an MPS, Net Promoter Score, mm-hmm. a tool that would give you that real-time feedback, that is so valuable. I always tell people on – we've used MPS, by the way, since home team and throughout my career since then. And I've always told them that, that negative feedback you get from the customer after a service, that's gold. Yeah, that's that is just gold. That's the best stuff, right? It is because otherwise you would never hear it until right. they canceled, and you still might not hear it. They right. may just call you and cancel and not tell right. you why. But you right. get that feedback, and you're able to respond. If you can respond quickly, efficiently, and effectively, 
you just created a customer for life. Right. Correct. The yep. one that would have canceled if right. you hadn't got that feedback. So, so, so I think MPS yep. is really important or some type of feedback. feedback so it's tool. proactive versus reactive because once That's you're running exactly a, right. once you're running a reactive customer service business, it's a disaster, right? You're just, what can I do for you? What can I, how can I give right. you something? And that that never persists, right? Because yeah, it, it's almost like a position of weakness yeah. at that point in time. So it's much better to be proactive and communicate, which is, I imagine where technology can help, yeah. right? And don't let your feelings get hurt. You know, that's where I, I tell yeah. people it's gold. It's not it's not like, oh, man, they're criticizing me. They're criticizing my company, my team. No, man, it's they're telling you what they need. Right. Exactly. Things you can improve. They're helping you. Correct. And it's, they're staying with you. <laughs> so, right. Exactly. Yeah, you can't be sensitive. Exactly. They want to they took the time to go out of their way to let you know. Right. I mean, look, right. everybody like we all know there are some extreme cases where people just complain or they'll say things. Oh, sure. Of course. Sure. Right. But we're not talking yeah. about those. We're talking about the real. Right. The critiques that are valid. And yeah, of course, like if I'm a homeowner, I wouldn't want that to happen to me either. So we need to fix Uh that and we need to make sure. So that's it's. But if you're not soliciting that information, you're not you're not going to know. I imagine by the time it gets to you, it's already too late. Right. So proactive. You got to be able to handle it. Correct. You got to be able to handle it. Um, You've you've been in the industry, so you've seen it's it's gone undergone significant changes over the years. Right. Uh, Technological advancements, shifts in consumer preferences and just, um, you know, COVID was a big one as of recent. I'm wondering how you've sort of navigated some of the changes and can you think of any particular ones that really sort of diverted it? And set it on a new course. Given your ability to look back over an extended period of time, you've probably seen some diversion points and things that have really influenced and changed. I'm wondering if you can like talk a little bit about some of the ones that you've encountered. Well, I think obviously, you know, a lot of people know this. You know, door to door really changed the industry a lot. Yep. And about you know, started about ten years ago or so, where it really got pretty big. So that's that's been probably the biggest change machine in the industry in the last 30, 40 years. Uh, that and I've when you in got industry. into the game, you weren't door, you weren't knocking, right? No. Okay. We, so you had to learn never, about it and, yeah. and later on in your, in your right. career. Okay. All right. The way I got introduced to door to door and door to door is a great tool if you use it right. But the way I got introduced was when I was at Rollins working at Orkin in the South Central Division, contracted out a door to door marketing team. Mm-hmm. And we contracted them out every summer. We went through two before we got one that worked really well. Mm-hmm. And we synced them up with our field operators. And they were selling what we serviced instead of instead of selling whatever they wanted yep, to sell. Yep. And it worked really, really well. There's some good, good companies out there that do it, but there is so many that are throwing their hat in the ring that you, you know it's it's not gonna work. But door to door is the biggest change that I've seen in the industry. When I started in industry too, I've, obviously technology was not a big thing. It was written tickets, yep. that type of thing. Now it, it transitioned into more electronic. Yep. There's so much There's so much available for us to make it better for the customer, more efficient for the tech. Uh, so I think, I think you know, those two things right there that I've seen, Chris, in, in my career, but they've both been positive. Door-to-door is a huge engine. If you use it right, strategically, use it right. Yeah. What is the, if we're looking outside in, someone, the knock, the knock, wow, look what I did, the knock on it. Look what I did there. The <laughs> knock on door to door is that um, it could be oversold, right? Because people, the, the way that they're structured or commissions they're selling, they're just selling, they're selling, and that might not meet the service or what's actually happening. And also I've heard that, and to correct me if this is an incorrect uh, assumption, that the they're less likely to be a recurring customer if they're sold in door to door. Is that is that true in your mind? Or if it's all, if you, the answer is, hey, if you do it correct, it's no different than any other marketing mechanism to get them in the door. No, I think you make a good point because I've seen it work both ways. 
you know, I've seen companies that'll do it like that and they'll, they'll bring them in the door, but you can't keep them because mm-hmm. they over promise and under deliver yep. Yep. Uh, or other issues. But I've also seen it work really well. So I, I don't think necessarily, I think that knock you're talking about that negative, that's a general statement that you hear all the time in door to door. I'm not a door to door guy. I'm not, I don't run a door to door company, but I see the value in yes. strategically using it. Yes. If you just mass sell it, Across the board, wherever that regional sales manager wants to go, you just send a guy, a team there. That's not the way you use it, in my opinion. Not the way to use Correct. it. Correct. You can do it really well and strategically use it where you need capacity, where you want to maybe start in a greenfield, whatever it is, you strategically use it. Excellent way to do it as okay. long as they're synced up good with the operators. Yep. And then I guess one of the one of the other things that we hear about a lot, and when I talk to people, they always say, Hey, when you're on the when you're on these interviews, can you talk about um employees and employee retention and and you know it's a it's an ongoing thing in the industry in home services in general getting bringing people in bringing good employees in technicians bringing them in keeping them there even keeping them there in places that have really really strong seasons and seasonality curves so i'm wondering in in your in your career what were some strategies you you sort of put in place to not just make sure you were bringing in the best people, but you were keeping them there and that they didn't right. want to have to leave. No, they wanted to be a part of the brand. Yeah, that's that's a great point because I think it start, really started at home team in Dallas Pest. But when we brought good people in, we kept them through education, through training, and also through their feedback, getting their feedback and taking action on it. Mm-hmm. At home team, we had a employee feedback. Every year we went through this. Then we had town hall meetings after the after we received the employee feedback and took a, took action. That was the most important step was we got good feedback action. and yep. that, taking action on it, man, making the change, not just hearing it, but hearing it and taking action towards it. But if employees view it as a career, they're going to stay with you if you treat them the right way. And when I, when I was talking earlier about being a leader, it's all collaborative, it's mm-hmm. teamwork, you value, you still have to be a leader. You have to make the decision sometimes when it's not a popular decision, yes. when it's not a comfortable the decision. The hardest time. That's right, man. A good leader has to be able to do that. But you you solicit feedback, you take feedback. When your employees start to see that, that the leaders running the company are open to feedback. Doesn't mean they're always going to listen. Doesn't mean they're always going to take your opinion. They're going to listen to it, but not take your opinion. But they will listen. That's when people start staying. Yep. You get a better retention rate. Yeah. If they just are viewed as, hey, you're that hourly guy or that production commission guy that's going to go service our customers and yep. you make this much money. No, man, they'll go to another company. Yeah. You it's know, one of the hard, it's one of the hardest things to do when you're a leader or a manager, right? And like I, I remember someone telling me once, like, hey, I don't need my leader, I don't need my manager to love me. I need them to lead me. And there's a difference, right? right. There's a difference there. Like, yes, you care about their general well-being as a human, as an employee in their career. Yes. But sometimes you're going to have to say something or you're going to have to do something that that will be viewed, uh, not not be a popular view, but it's the best one for the team. It's the best one for the business. And that's the real true test of the leader. Um, I think there's a, there's a, this goes to parenting as well, right? There's a little bit of that there as well. You're not going to be the most popular person sometimes, but you have to do what's right for the desired outcome. And that's, that's really the true uh, hallmark of the leader. Um, Just checking the time. So let's look at the, let's look ahead. I'm curious to hear, we've talked about where you are in the past a little bit. I want to quickly, before we run, I just want to get a snippet of what you're doing right now. But with this right. final question before I ask you that mm-hmm. is, the future of, we'll keep it to the pest control industry. Um, 
How does it look to you down the road as in terms of a viable business? I'm sure you would agree that it's still a viable business. It's growing, right? Do you see any yep. new trends or things emerging that are pretty cool and might be different? It might be shake, shaking it up a little bit. Well, the strategic companies, the larger companies, the Rena Kills, the Orkin, you know, Rollins, uh, Massey's, uh, Antisemex, they're all going to be in the acquisition game. They're all doing that. They're, they're on the hunt. But there's a lot of private equity groups, a lot of private investors getting into the pest control, pest control yep. industry now, too. So I think that has sh shaken up things a little bit in the last several years. There's a lot of people seeing that this is a great industry to be in. Yep. If you do it the right way, you develop that cash flow recurring base. Yeah, it's a good business to be in. Yep. So I think that's something we're seeing we didn't see 15, 20 years ago yep. that we're seeing now. Okay. Um, you know, in the future, I really see it continuing to be strong. Mm -hmm. it, even through all the different in um, the turn downturns we've had in the economy mm -hmm. and recessions, the pest control industry continued to grow. Yep. It's continued to grow. Yep. So I, I see that as still continuing trend to yep. the future. There I, will always you know. be pests and a need for them to be controlled. That's, right. that's for sure. And as long as you, as long as you do it the right way, you be a you know leader in the industry. You're always going to grow. Yeah. You're going to keep growing. Um, so let's let's sort of close by telling tell me a little bit about tell the audience a little about what your shift to do what you're doing right now and is there any sort of area in particular of expertise that you focus on in in consulting or is it sort of what you know it's an evaluation of what's going on and how you could contribute so tell me a little bit about the services. Well, and I don't think I have all the answers by any means, but I think I I've learned some things from other leaders that I can pass on to. I love coaching. I coached youth sports for. About 15, Brad, 16 years. Brad, you seem like you'd be an excellent coach, up. man. I get that vibe from you. I love right? it, Just man. talking to you, man. It's amazing. It. Yep. Yeah, it, it's fun, Chris. And I learned so much from coaching, but I love doing that in 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 business. I've always mm -hmm. enjoyed that part of the business. You know, whether it's working with a private equity group and and finding a company and then help grow that company or something like that. That's that's what I want to be part of. I'll do that until I can't walk anymore. Yep. Until I can't move anymore, man. That I just love that business and love the coaching part and the developing people, and then be able to build a business, be able to build that business to see it grow and be successful. And so, so that's that, how so it returns. That's what I'll do. If any, if anybody wants to find out more information, if they don't really know you and know your contact information, they want to reach out, is there a place to find you? What's the best way to do that? Probably LinkedIn, LinkedIn. would be the easiest way. Okay. Yeah. You LinkedIn can find a Brad, Brad Pitts. Pitt. P-I-T-T-S, Brad Pitts. P-I-T-T-S, yeah, S on the end. S on the end, yeah. Make sure you don't, yeah. don't reach out to the other Brad Pitt. He's not, <laughs> no. He might not have no. a, he might not be coaching you on similar stuff. Um, I'll be more open to listen to you. Than <laughs> yeah, you might get, you probably get a response from this Brad Pitts. Right, uh, Maybe right. not from the other Brad Pitt. Um, all right, so right. we're going to close this out. The way we close out this show is I give you these rapid fire sort of this or that's, and you pick the first one that comes to your mind. They're very benign. It's nothing crazy. Okay. Um, so I'm going to run through. There's about, 10 of them here, maybe 10 or 12. And you give me the first one that okay. comes to mind. Uh, it's fun when I do this. I keep them the same for every single guest so we can hear how the really? guests are uh, are different. So here we go. We're doing Field Famous, Brad Pitts, Rapid Fire, and we begin. Okay. Text or talk? Talk. Dark chocolate or milk chocolate? Milk chocolate. Milk chocolate. You said that pretty quick. Oh, yeah. No All doubt. Cat, cats <laughs> or dogs? Dogs. Dog man. Summer or winter? In <laughs> uh, Dallas, summer. you're probably saying, man, can I cool off? But summer. Uh, I still love the summer, man. Still love the summer. Morning morning yeah. or evening? Uh, evening. Beach or pool? Beach. Salty or sweet? Oh, man, that's a hard one. Uh, salty. Favorite day of the week? Oh, uh, probably, uh, I don't know, Friday. Same. 
That's today. Yeah. We're recording this on a Friday. That's Hell it, yeah. man. That's would it. you rather be able to? This is a good one. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to speak to animals? Oh man, uh, probably animals. Mm -hmm. yeah. How long does it take you to get ready in the morning when you're going out? Thirty minutes. Thirty minutes. Scale of one to ten. <laughs> how good of a driver are you, according to you? You mean NASCAR wise no. or just safe? <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just getting on the road to go uh, down the street. I'll say seven. Seven. All right. There's some yeah, room. Yeah. Uh, invisibility yeah. or super strength? Oh, man. Invisibility. Rats or mice? Oh, uh, rats. Golf or tennis? Golf. And if you were hung, really hungry, would you eat a bug? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, same. If I was really hungry, I'd probably eat yeah. a lot more things yeah. than I'd be willing to admit on this show. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, but hey, Brad, it's, it's I know it's a short period of time. We did it right around the perfect time. Um, That's great. You, you, you know, I, I really I think what I love about someone like yourself who's had so much experience in the industry is that your answers are concise, but contain exactly what you'd want to hear in the answer. It gives you something that can tangibly take away. So I hope everybody out there listening got to take uh, you know something away from this. And if you want more information, information or something about Brad or what he said appealed to you, please reach out to him on LinkedIn. I'm sure he'd happy to pick up the conversation there. I'm speaking for him, Definitely. but otherwise he'll divert them to me and say, hey, this guy's the one that sent you to me. Brad, <laughs> I appreciate you for being Phil Famous and coming on the show and doing this. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much, Chris. All right. Thank appreciate you. it.